I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bible. And we're going to go to the book of Exodus, chapter 17. We'll begin there this morning. We're going to spend most of our time in 1 Kings, chapter 17. But we'll start in Exodus, chapter 17. There's a phrase here I want you to read with me. We've been talking about living under an open heaven. An open heaven is a spiritual reality that is manifest in the physical and natural life of the believer. It is God's abundant presence and provision for his people. And it is God's desire for you. It's God's best for you. That when you pray that your prayers not bounce off the ceiling, but that they reach the heart of God, and that through prayer you can touch the heavens, and in answer to prayer, the the heavens touch the earth. Now the Lord's been leading me in a little different way lately, and I've been sharing with you a number of scriptures in the outset of the message that I think are just passages that God wants us to meditate on in this particular season. So I'm going to do that again this morning, but we'll begin here. So just jot these texts down and then take some time this week to study them and to get them deep into your heart. Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel journeyed by stages from the wilderness of Sinai according to the command of the Lord. And they camped at Rephidim and there was no water for the people to drink. I want to have you focus on that phrase, journey by stages. Say that with me this morning, journey by stages. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today because we are on the path of peace, the path of holiness. The Bible says that we are to shod our feet to put on the shoes of peace. And amidst the trouble in our world and the uncertainties of our times, we sense this incredible peace. I sense this morning that we stand on the unshakable foundation of your presence in our life. And I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach the word and preach the word this morning. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word of God with faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to talk about this morning about traveling under an open heaven. And the first uh, place that I have read for you this morning, here we have this phrase, a journey by stages. We discover a principle from the Word of God that God takes us in stages. He takes us from place to place, uh, from level to level, and from season to season. Sometimes as we journey uh, in life, as we are are on our mission uh, to fulfill the destined call and purpose of God on our life, there is a tendency uh, to want to draw a straight line between where I am and where I sense that God has called me, where God is taking me. And the reality is this, that God rarely ever takes us in a straight line. There are often unexpected detours and pit stops along the way, and things that uh, seem to uh, maybe delay us or they seem to uh, to turn things uh, in the opposite direction. But if you will just keep walking with God, you will discover that God will fulfill His purpose in and through your life. 
And I know that maybe right now uh, this pandemic has that feeling like every time we feel like we're about to get back to some sense of normal, then uh, uh, something else happens and we, we uh, go through these cycles, we go through these uh, moments. And this morning, I just want to encourage you, as I have said to you many times before, that the Christian life is a journey, a long obedience in the same direction. It is a determined path that no matter what comes into my life, no matter what challenges I may face, I am going to continue walking toward God. I'm going to continue to uh, uh, walk in faith and trust God to do the things that He has promised to do in my life. And challenges like we're experiencing right now, they do tend to get us off of the plan and the enemy does use these types of things to try to get us off of God's plan for our life or to try to get us off of God's timing for our life. So I just want to encourage you with that this morning. If you feel stuck, if you feel like this season's taking too long, if you feel like you wish you could just do something else and just get over all of this, then just remember that God leads his people by stages. There's another verse in the Bible that relates to this in Exodus, again, the book of Exodus chapter 23 and verse 30. And this was an important one uh, for you to think about from time to time. And maybe it's not the kind of verse that you put on your refrigerator, uh, but it's an important verse of the Bible to remember. And here's what it says. It says that God uh, would drive out the people from before the nation of Israel as they went into the promised land little by little until they became fruitful and could take possession of the land. Someone say little by little. You know, nobody likes little by little, right? We like a lot by a lot. We like God to do things and do them fast. We like to pray like the psalmist. Lord, answer me now, right? We want a quick answer. But God told the nation of Israel, I'm taking you to the promised land. And this land is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land uh, full of houses that you didn't build and wells that you didn't dig and vineyards that you didn't plant. But I'm going to give it to you little by little. I am going to give it to you by measure of your ability to handle it. By the measure of your ability to steward the thing that I'm going to do in and through the nation of Israel. He said, if I give you all the land at once, then you are not big enough. And you're not uh, skilled enough to be able to cultivate all of the land. And then the wild beasts of the field will take over. And the brush will take over. So I'm only going to give you as much as you can handle at any given moment. Are you with me this morning? Because if you don't like the measure you're receiving from uh, God right now, then you might need to grow a little bit. You might need to mature a little bit so that you can handle more. Do you remember that Jesus called the three, uh, or the, the, the master called the three servants in the parable? And Jesus said, the master said to the first one, I'll give you five talents, to another three, and to another one. And he gave to each of them according to their ability. Uh, not according to their, uh, to their, uh, their history or their heritage or their background or their education, but their ability. What could they handle? What could God put in their hands and not waste? Because you see, God is not a waster. Say amen, somebody. 
And because God is not a waster, then he wants to be sure that you and I can handle the the provisions that he places in our hands without waste. And so the nation of Israel was uh, given to this uh, to this pattern that God would lay out before them little by little until they were able to possess the entirety of the land. Let me give you another example. Exodus chapter 13 and verse 17. And here the people of Israel are coming out of Egypt. And as they're coming out of Egypt, God says to them, and, he, and uh, Moses documents this, it says uh, that the Lord did not lead them through the road of the Philistines uh, and through the Philistine country, although it was a shorter route. How many of you like the short route? One person likes the short route. How many of you are honest say, I like the short route? I personally like the scenic route when I have the time. But God took Israel from point A to point B on the scenic route. Now just imagine, they're leaving Egypt, this multitude, maybe two million people, and they're going to go into the promised land, but they're not going the short way. They're going the long way. And why does God say they're not going the short way? He says, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. God knew that on the short way between Egypt, between Egypt and the promised land, there were Philistines. There were enemies of Israel. And these uh, Philistines might scare them. They might intimidate them out of their promises, out of their purpose, and they might become frightened and turn back. And so God said, I'm going to take them the long way. I'm going to take them around because I don't want them to face this battle prematurely. Now just just take a moment, let that sink in, and realize this. That there are some days in your life that God took you the long way around. So that you wouldn't face a battle you weren't ready for yet. Say amen somebody. God knows best. And and so he's, he will lead us, if we will let him lead, direct our life, he will lead us in the course and the timing that leads to his purpose in our life. Now here's something very interesting. That's chapter 13. So chapter 17, uh, just a few chapters later, the Bible says, chapter 17, verse 8, Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. And so you say, wait a minute, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, five chapters later, not a whole lot of space or time, and now they're in a battle. And now they're in a battle that God allowed them to go into. Are you with me this morning? You see, you might just be five chapters away from growing into a place where you can handle the next level that God has for you. And so what do you have to do? You got to keep traveling by stages with God. You got to keep moving in the direction of maturity with God. Say amen, somebody. Why in chapter 13 does he not allow them to go into battle, but in chapter 17 he does? Why? Because now they were ready. Say amen, somebody. Now they were ready. So next time you find yourself in the battle, maybe you're in one this morning, just think to yourself, I must be ready for this. And if I'm ready for this, then I can win. Because God has made me more than a conqueror in all seasons of life. Come on, is the church here this morning? You have been, you have been walking by stages with God and the battle you face 
is a battle you can win. Because God, when he leads you into a place, it's so that you can accomplish his purpose in your life. Now look at what Philippians chapter 1 and verse 28 tells us. Philippians chapter 1 verse 28. I'm going to read this out of the King James Bible because it has a little bit more of a poetic ring to it. What does the Bible say there? Philippians 1, 28. You should write this down and meditate on it this week. In nothing be terrified. Say that out loud. In nothing be terrified. Now, that just sounds a lot better, doesn't it? It's more poetic. Uh, it, it's in nothing be terrified by your adversary, which is uh, to them an evident token of perdition, but to you salvation and that of God. Now, just listen to the words of Paul. He tells the Philippian church, don't be terrified by anything. Don't let fear control your life in any area, in any place. I know there are sometimes moments that come with terrifying news and great anxieties. But you don't have an instruction from God. And that is, in nothing, be terrified. What does the previous verse say? It says, nevertheless, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending side by side for the faith of the gospel without being frightened. That is uh, God's recipe for you to be able to withstand the various oppositions that come in life. He says, stand in your faith. Stand firm in one spirit and stand side by side. He says, you can't do this alone. You and I need one another. Our faith is linked up to one another. And and so we come together, we encourage one another, we stand in in the unity of the spirit, and we stand in our faith. What is our faith? Our faith is God's promise to us in the Bible. God's unshakable word to us. And that is the foundation under which our feet are standing this morning. And so the old hymn said, when all around me is sinking sand, on Christ the solid rock I'll stand. That's why you can be stable in every season of life. Is the church here this morning? So what's God's instruction to you? In nothing be terrified. If you got a a diagnosis this week that said you have cancer in your body, God says, in nothing, be terrified. If you got a letter from the bank saying they're going to foreclose on you, if you don't catch up, what is God's word to you? In nothing, be terrified. When, when you look at the challenges that face our world and you hear the bad news on the, on the radio or television, what is God's word to you? In nothing, be terrified. Pastor, but my child is hooked on drugs. In nothing, be terrified. Why? Because you serve a God who who is greater and a God who is able to turn things around in your life. And he says, don't be terrified by your adversary. No, no matter how big, hairy, and scary that demon may be, don't be afraid. And look, look what he says next. He says, this is a, a, a proof or a token of their destruction. The adversary of your soul is opposing you because he's already defeated. Because he's already going to destruction. But for you, this is salvation and that 
of God. There is a salvation coming into your circumstance. There's a deliverance coming into your life. There's a breakthrough coming into your family. There is a breakthrough coming into your spirit. Heaven is going to open over you. And this is from God. Amen, somebody. Is God good or what? Now let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17. I just preached the sermon. Now let me give you an illustration. This illustration comes from the life of the prophet of God named Elijah. Elijah was a kind of obscure figure. He just appears on the pages of human history right here in chapter 17 of 1 Kings. He happens to be one of the most powerful men in the Old Testament. In fact, in the Bible, there are three portions of Scripture that are characterized by miracles. There are three major miracle seasons in the Bible. The first uh, is, of course, in the life of Moses. The prophetic ministry of Moses was characterized by tremendous miracle after miracle after miracle. The second is the, the prophet Elijah. And then the third is the Lord Jesus Christ. So Elijah ranks right up there with Jesus and Moses. And he journeyed by stages. Now I want you to notice these things as I go through. And I don't have the time uh, that I would like to be able to expound on every one of these stages in his life. But I want, I want you to catch the, the, the gist of each one of them. Because there's a message in it for us for, your, for this season that we're in right now. The Christian life is a long obedience in the same direction. And the Bible tells us that Elijah received a message from God. And the message was very simple, very direct, and very hard. He said, it will not rain in Israel until I give the word. Now what right did he have to do that? Well, the Bible said in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28 that if the people were obedient to God... That God would open the good storehouse of the heavens and send the rain in its season, the early and the latter rain. But he said if they reject God, then they will experience the opposite and their rain will turn to dust and the heavens will be like brass. And so Elijah, because he is standing in the prophetic office, he knows and understands that God has put a mission on his life. The call of God on Elijah's life was simple. His job was to bring revival to the nation of Israel. Now that is no easy task. And it's not something you do overnight. And it's not something that happens in one prayer meeting. It requires a long obedience in the same direction. To open a closed heaven requires a person or a people who are willing to pay a price to see the things that need to be seen in order for there to be breakthrough in the land. Come on. Is there a people here this morning who are willing to pay the price of consecration, of devotion, of commitment, of fasting and prayer in order to see a breakthrough take place? The first thing he has a word from God. Listen, every person on a on a journey by stages must have the word of god 
Elijah has a word from God. It's not a fluffy candy, uh, cotton candy kind of word. It's not sweet. It's hard. And it's, it's difficult. And he goes to the king and he says to the king, it's not going to rain in Israel until I give the word. God has shut the heavens over this nation. And you can imagine just how powerful this man is that it didn't rain until he gave the word. This man had heard from God. What am I telling you this morning? I'm telling you that God's plan for your life comes through his word. It comes through the, through the leading of the, of the Holy Spirit, through the word of God. It comes through the leading of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. It comes through the prophetic utterance. And I know every person in this room has a word from God over your life. And if you're blessed enough to know what that word is, then I know that you know that there will come days that will challenge the word of God in your life. And there will come days when you will want to change the plan. And go in a different direction. But you have to make up your mind. I'm going to stick to the plan. I'm going to stick to the word of God. Because God is not a man that he should lie. Nor the son of man that he should change his mind. If he has spoken, he will do it. That word was now going to create trouble for Israel. But also create trouble for the prophet. What do you do? When you obey God and trouble happens. Do you give up? Do you give in? I, I heard about a pastor uh, many years ago. Before he was a pastor. He was a, a carpenter. He was a, con, uh, a contractor. And the Lord, after he had recently been converted, he got saved, born again. And the Lord spoke to him and he said, look, your pastor is building a new church. I want you to be the foreman of it. So he came to the pastor. He said, Pastor, I am supposed to be the foreman over this new building. And the pastor said, I know that. God told me that already. He said, well, this is how much I need to get paid. He said, the church don't have money to pay you. Now, what do you do when your plan and God's plan aren't exactly the same? God didn't say, go do it if they pay you. He said, go do it. This is a long obedience in the same direction. And so when, whenever the money doesn't show up or the, or the plan isn't quite right, then you have to decide, I'm going to go with the word of God. And this man went with the word of God and it wasn't easy. In fact, he, he had to, basically, he would go to the back of the grocery store at the end of the day to gather any leftover bread or things they had put out that were no longer suitable for the store shelves. And he was obeying God. And he was, he was standing in a place of obedience, but it was a challenging season for his life. And I'm just here to tell you this morning, I know you're in a challenging season. I know that we are in a place of difficulty. I know that sometimes things don't come as easy as they used to. But you and I have to decide, I'm going with God no matter what. No matter what, no, though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm going to obey the word of the Lord. Then Elijah he receives another word from God in verse 3. And he says, go and hide yourself by the brook Cherith. Now God sends him into hiding because Ahab wants to kill him. 
Ahab thinks if he kills Elijah that he can that he can uh, open the heavens. Listen, friends, you can't you can't kill the word of God. I don't care what the world can try to do. The word of God cannot be stopped. Say amen, somebody. Paul said, I am in prison, but the word of God is not in prison. And Ahab was trying to kill the the messenger. But he didn't realize that even if you kill the messenger, the message still stands. The word still stands. And that word is going to be fulfilled until God has reached his destined purpose for that word. He said, go hide yourself in the brook. And this is what God told him. Listen, this is amazing. He says, go and it shall be that you will drink water from the brook. And I have commanded a raven to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat. This is Grubhub back in the day. And, uh, and they brought him bread and eat morning and bread and meat in the evening. Now this is a bird, this is a wild animal that is bringing the prophet food. I don't know exactly what condition the food was in, but it was sufficient to nourish the prophet. And so he became pretty comfortable there. But this was a place where he learned obedience to the divine instruction. And a place where he learned dependence on divine supply. Every person walking with God by stages is going to have to learn obedience To divine instructions. And dependence on divine supply. When you and I are willing to obey God's instructions for our life. And willing to be sensitive to his voice. And directing us. Then you and I can expect the supply. We can expect the provision. Because God does not give unfunded mandates. God will always provide for what he commands. But you don't have to be willing to to cultivate a listening heart and and a, a sensitivity to obey the divine instruction. What is God instructing you to do right now? What is God instructing you to do in this season? I can guarantee he's not instructing you to hide out in a cave and ignore everybody in your life and uh, not help people in need. I can guarantee you that his instruction to you right now is going to stretch your faith. It's going to stretch your dependence. It's going to stretch your commitment. But if you will obey the instruction, you will see the supply of heaven in your life. Maybe you're saying, but God, I'd like a new instruction this morning. This one's getting old. This one's getting tired. I'm kind of getting bored with this. Long obedience in the same direction. When God called me into full-time ministry, I was just right out of college. Nobody knew that I was going into full-time ministry. And the way that God called me into full-time ministry was, was two things. Number one... Isaac, you're not going to ask anyone for money. I'm going to be your source. Now that's easy to say, but it's a whole lot harder to live. Number two, you're not going to ask anyone for the pulpit. And I said, God, if, if you call me to preach, then I won't ever ask a pastor for the pulpit. If they don't invite me to preach, then I won't go. But I, I have to know that it's you working in this area in my life. And the first few months, because no one knew that I was out there and I couldn't promote myself. I couldn't tell anybody I'm available. 
and and I didn't have any resources. So for the first few months, I started a children's church in my father's church on Monday nights. And before long, we had 30 or 40 kids in there uh, attending children's church. And uh, you know, kids have money. Those offerings weren't mine, but I was impressed by how much money kids have. And then doors started opening, and I started receiving phone calls, and people started inviting me to preach. And one, one of the very first times that I had to go out and preach, I needed to travel about 250 miles, and I had to provide for my own hotel, and I had $50. And I knew this math didn't add up. I wasn't going to make the trip on $50. And so I went to my parents' house on the way out of town, and I stopped by, and my dad asked a question. He would always ask me, how are you doing? And that didn't mean anything, but how are you doing financially? That was how he, how he asked, how are you doing? And I said, I'm fine. So I could have easily said, Dad, I don't have, I don't have any money to go on this trip, but that wasn't my deal. He was not my source. God was my source. And so I, I got in my Jeep, and I drove as far as I, my faith would take me. I drove to Walmart. And I sat in the parking lot, and I started to complain. Ever had one of those pity parties? God, you called me, and I don't understand why you called me, and you're not providing, and you're not meeting my needs, and here I am, and I don't have what, it, what I need, and I'm just going on and on. And then I hear a big, you know, the rumble of a dually truck pull up next to me. And I turn around, it's my uncle. He's saying, you know, roll down the window. And, and so I, I roll the window down and my uncle says, Isaac, I've been looking for you. I have an offering for you. And he gives me $200. And I thanked him, then he drove off, and then I had another party right there in the car. And now I'm crying. I'm saying, God, I'll never do that again. You know, I was just being a brat, and I'm repenting, and so on, and so forth. But what did I learn? I learned that when God gives the instruction, God will provide. Come on, somebody. God will provide. God is a provider. Come on, you have a good father. He is a good father and he knows your need and he will meet your need. And maybe it will be a raven, some unexpected source, some unexpected thing, some place, uh, something that you didn't know about or even know existed. But God knows where you are and God will do what needs to be done and move heaven and earth if he has to in order to supply for you as you journey with him. The next stage, he takes Elijah because the Bible said the brook dried up. And, and that's another good question. When, when, when our brook dries up, when God's, when God's uh, command and instruction in your life dries up, it just means that God has a new way that he wants to do things. Is it all right if God does it a new way? You see, we get comfortable. We get used to things being the same way all the time. But God says, I have a new way that I want to do this in Elijah's life. So the brook dries up. 
Why did the brook dry up? There's no water because there's no rain because Elijah said so. And so here you have the prophet. He is, he is running out of resources, but God is not out of resources. You ought to shout a little bit better than that because we are living in a world where people don't know what, what's going to happen tomorrow, where our, our world is in, in, uh, in, uh, in uncertainty and chaos. The White House doesn't have answers. The Congress doesn't have answers. The United Nations doesn't have answers. The World Health Organization doesn't have the answer. You and I have to know that God has a source. God has a plan of supply for my life. And so what does God say? Arise, go to Zarephath. This is in verse 9, which belongs to Sidon. This is on the Gentile side of the Jordan, the other side. Isn't it just like God? First, he uses a raven, which is an unclean, unkosher animal to feed a Jewish prophet. And now he sends him into the Gentile world to have his needs met. Don't ever be too good for God's way. Because if you let pride get in the way, you'll miss out on a miracle. You'll miss out on a provision. You'll miss out on a blessing. If, if we let our pride get in the way and say, well, I don't, I don't do it that way. I don't eat. With ravens. I don't eat with widow with the Gentiles. Well then you're not gonna eat. Because God's way, God's will must be done God's way. He said, I have commanded a widow. Listen, God has provided for Elijah. How? Through a widow. I, I imagine, because I would have thought the same thing. She must be a rich widow. I would imagine a big Victorian mansion with butlers. Come on in, sir. The lady will be with you shortly. None of this, none of that. That's why I would imagine, because sometimes when God met my needs, he used some blue-haired widows. But they were rich widows. But not now. He says, Elijah, go to Zarephath. I've prepared a widow. I've commanded a widow to provide for you. And so he goes and he finds this widow outside of her house gathering sticks. So obviously she's not very rich. She's going to build a fire. And she's going to bake a bread cake. Now... She had a son, but I'm guessing the son was sick because if, if that boy wasn't sick, he'd be gathering sticks. At least in our house. But mama's gathering the sticks because he's probably sick. And the reason he's sick is because he's starving to death. And the prophet comes to her and he says to her, give me something to drink. And she says yes, and she goes to get some water, and while she's going, the prophet says to her, and 
Bring me a tortilla on the way back. Bring me a little bread cake on the way back. And she says, sir, I have only a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And I'm about to make the last little bread cake that I can afford. And I'm going to serve my son. And then we're going to eat it. And we're going to die. This famine has brought us to the end of our resources. And here's where you start to see something. That God was not only taking Elijah on this journey, but God was taking this widow on this journey. And he said, all right, you do that. But bring me a cake first. A divine instruction. An invitation to cooperate with God will always require God first. God, I'll serve you if I can afford it. I'll serve it if you bless me. I'll serve it if you help me. But the one who chooses to go with God must learn his going to go first. He's going to get his share first. He's going to receive what he wants first. It's the only way to travel with God. God never rides in the back seat. The woman does not argue. She doesn't tug of war. She goes into the kitchen because she received the word from God. What was the word? Listen to the word. Now, remember, God spoke this word to Kingsway Church in the beginning of 2020. One month or so prior to the pandemic. How many of you remember? And what did he say? This year, breakthrough will visit your house. And the Lord reminded me of that this week. And he said, Isaac, I didn't give that word for 2020. I gave it for the pandemic. Tell my people that this season, breakthrough will visit their house. Come on, is there a church in the house of God this morning? God is, he's aware of the season we're in and he sent his word ahead of the season to say to you, to say to your family, this year, this season, in this pandemic, breakthrough will visit your house. And somebody tells me if breakthrough has not visited your house, if you have not seen the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God, come on, and the kindness of God, I would have given up. I would have given up if I had not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The divine instruction. Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. 
But make me a little bread cake first and bring it out to me. And afterwards, you will make one for yourself and for your son. For thus saith the Lord, the bowl of flour will not be exhausted, nor the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. Let me put it to you like this, Kingsway Church. The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor the jar of oil be empty until the day. Say until the day that this pandemic is over. God has given you provision in His Word and He says this season breakthrough will visit your life. It will visit your house. And God has provided in 2020 and God has provided in 2021 and God will provide in 2022. Come on somebody, you serve a God who is able to do the impossible in your life. Come on, let's stand together. Just receive the word of the Lord. In nothing be terrified. Come on, just lift your hands to heaven. And just receive the word of the Lord. Just receive God's promise of provision and supply. Receive God's commission. Which He will fulfill in your life. You're not... On this journey alone. It's a journey by stages. You don't always understand it. You don't always know why. But God says I will never leave you nor forsake you. And your bowl of flour will not be exhausted. I won't let you wear out in this pandemic. I won't let your faith fail. I won't let you fall. I won't let you flounder. I am your God. I am your Father. Come on, receive the Word of God this morning. For that Word is anointed to set you free. It's anointed to bring breakthrough into your life. Receive divine instruction this morning. Receive divine strategies this morning. Hallelujah. In nothing be terrified. For you will receive salvation and that from God.